0: Live from the apocalypse, topical mastication of infinite variation. This is a state of the game. I, I, you can call me the master masticator, Dano. (laughs) Along with me on this journey, the penfold to my danger mouse. Fresh from his much discussed op ed in the Wall Street Journal about Joe Biden, uh, it's Kay Diggy. You had a hit with that one. Thank
1: you. Thank you.
0: We loved it. Everybody <laughs> loved it. Universal love. Um, so let's uh, w- today. Is Man on the Moon focused? But I have to show you off something here. It is the last day of Hanukkah, the eighth day.
1: Who's now? Who's is that? Is that
0: ODB? No, no, my son spearheaded this campaign to get me burn a boy related merch. <laughs> <laughs> and he got a matching one in his size. So we got matching bird boy shirts that we're gonna wear around Maine. That's right. I made my night, man. <laughs> yep. You know, no, you don't you shouldn't have to convince people you're pro-black. You should just be that. You know what I mean? You should just be that. Um <laughs> Anyway. <clears throat> so <clears throat> today is a cuddy episode. It's a cuddy episode. It's a celebration of the kid cuddy. Take a long, slow sip of the cutty and enjoy yeah. your day. Man on the moon. We got three of them. Mm-hmm. We got a trilogy here. Time to talk about the trilogy. It's the, the third one's fine. The third one's fine. It's got a 4.9 on Fitch, Pitchfork. They were like, treading water in his legacy. They love writing reviews like that. They love <laughs> telling older artists that they're treading in their legacy. They, they can't get <laughs> Alphonse Pierre, shout out to you. You keep calling them out for treading on their legacy. But um, it's not that bad. But it's <laughs> also not like, I've seen it get honorable mentions for album of the year. It's not that. Oh like, no 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 it's no a, no! Like it's no. it's somewhere between there, and I think it is a pretty good. Um, do you have you ever seen the first trilogy of Star Wars? Yes. The the good one, not the not the like '90s stuff, the '70s stuff. Yes, yeah, because uh, I yeah, the last of that series, right? A New Hope. Where they're, they end up dancing with the Ewoks at the end around a fire. That, I thought New Hope was the first
1: one. Return of the Jedi.
0: No, you're right. You're right. Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. This is good. You're with. <laughs> so the end of it is like the Ewoks and they're dancing and everybody's won, right? Mm-hmm. That is what Man on the Moon 3 is to this saga, right? Right. Uh, so that's, and, that, and it's cool. I'm yep. not anti-happy ending, um, but the journey is very important. The journey is critical. Absolutely. It's critical to understanding where music is right now. Mm-hmm. People talk about Cuddy so glowingly right now in terms of his legacy. I feel the need to do some back work and, yeah. and talk about where things were. Uh, so let's, let's do that. And start with what was what was your uh first experience with with Cuddy? When when did you tune into Cuddy?
1: See, I I was only familiar with Cuddy I mean obviously day and night was the first time uh I've heard I heard him. <clears throat> uh and then I heard a song on a movie called Project X called uh What was the name of that song? Pursuit of Happiness. Yep. Uh, So I was like, he was on my radar, but I never, I never checked for him like that. Uh, And then I had a really, I remember like a couple of years ago, maybe in like 2017, 2018, uh, I had a friend who told me this was one of her favorite albums. The first Man on the Moon was one of her favorite albums. Understood. So I, I gave it a listen and I was like, oh okay, I, I see I see what the big deal is now. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: see I see why he's why he's such a big deal, why he's connected with a lot of people.
0: He so and and yes, so I and I will it's amazing how long ago this experience was. But like I've told you before I I really don't like the mixtape historians online. Because they're really posers, I guess would be the term. They're like, they're like, man, I loved Dipset mixtapes. Give you a hot take. I also like G Unit mixtapes. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, you know, but Cuddy has one of the most important mixtapes I've ever heard. Um, from two thousand eight. Okay. A kid, a kid named Cuddy.
1: Okay. <laughs> So that that came out a year before uh, Man on the the first Man on the Moon was released. Okay.
0: Mm -hmm. And it has stuff on there. You've heard. It has Man on the Moon. It has um, Day and Night, I think, is on there. Mm -hmm. But it has a remake of Paul Simon's 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover called 50 Ways to Make a Record. Uh, it's really good and so basically I was like dialed into this I was like wow this is weird this is interesting mm-hmm. <clears throat> I played this in the car for one of my friends who's an old head right? Rock Kim, Daddy Kane EPMD, Cypress Hill like an old head and he and I was like this is the future music yeah. is heading this way yeah this is the future of this and he was ripshit he was like fuck that <laughs> fuck this i hate this yeah um people don't understand like that cuddy kind of had it a little harder than kanye when he broke as solo artists like as uh, as solo artist. get Okay. Kanye was already an established beatmaker. Oh,
1: okay. Right? Okay. All right. Now I see what Kanye you're saying. Kanye yeah. was not
0: doing anything controversial on college dropout. No. There's nothing controversial even back then for college dropout. No. He, he fielded criticism, but it was like knucklehead Beanie Siegel criticism. Do you remember this Beanie Siegel interview? You should find it.
1: Uh, I, I, I haven't heard the interview, but I can only imagine what Beanie... When he first thought about Kanye, he yeah, he goes
0: the whole interview saying, like, you can't say I hate gay people because my gay friend is Kanye. And he, look at him, he's gay, he's wearing pink. Like, it's bad. Like, he's wow. nuts. Like, but it's, you know, it is what it is. It, you know, the homophobia followed Kanye because he wore colors, you know, right? But
1: I'm dressed in polo,
0: but right. it, it followed all those guys and, and, I don't know. Cam was doing it first, and uh, you know, Pharrell was doing it first, and those guys probably inspired him to be able to do that, but mm-hmm. it wasn't that deep. Right. Fans of the music were into the music pretty right away. Right. Cuddy was a different issue. Cuddy was a different issue. And he was controversial. Um, and I knew this was this was something. Right, I knew that there was something here, uh, but it, it seemed to fly in the face of some real important hip hop values. Mm-hmm. So does that make any sense? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think
1: I think with Kanye, I mean, he had a reputation for, I mean, his production helped him get into, like ease his way into the rap, rap game. I mean, because even if you didn't necessarily like his lyrics or whatnot, you could still listen to his production and still (laughs) enjoy the song. Cuddy, Mm -hmm. I mean, Cuddy, Cuddy didn't have like that production crutch that Kanye did. So I can, I I see what you're I I see where you're coming from on, on your point. Yes.
0: Beyond that, stylistically, this is like one of those overview points, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was, and I, I feel like I quote Zilloraca every time we're on these things, but <laughs> to be fair, we ran a column from one of my favorite producers of 2020, uh, Small Professor, and he quoted yeah. Zilloraca in there. <laughs> uh, so, smart dude, but he was talking about uh, Aesop Rock. They had an Aesop Rock episode of Call It Culture, very good episode. And Zilla says that there's some lyrics that you slow down and make simpler for the chorus, right? You get to the chorus and you say, Rock, rock, rock on, rock, rock, rock on. You know, like right. people know what's going on. And he said he was listening to Jack Harlow and he's like, Oh, okay, like this is the chorus to get you in, this is the bridge to get you to. The- No, this is the first. What he's saying is like that the actual... There wasn't a lot of meat there or challenging stuff in the verses. Okay. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, that makes sense.
0: The way someone like Aesop Rock would slow it down and make it understandable for the chorus, that's an entire Jack Harlow song, right? Right. And... Uh... The that was most pronounced with Cuddy. Cuddy caught a lot of flack for his verses. Hmm, he caught a lot of flack early on for being someone who didn't really love rapping, didn't really love wordplay, dense wordplay. No, uh, someone who was way more interested. In the construction and orchestration of the anthem, right. And I, I think it's almost like
1: if you, I think if you go into a Kid Cudi album looking for rap, or if I like, I listen. So I listened to all three again this week, and like I came to consideration, like Kid Cudi is not—he's not a rapper. I mean, if Billie Eilish isn't considered to be a rapper, why is why oh. is Kid Cudi why is Kid Cudi considered to be a rapper?
0: I love this point. I love this point.
1: And it's because they they try to box black artists into like, okay, so you know he's he's a black man and he's saying words fast, and you know he work he works with Kanye. Okay, he's a rapper. But I wouldn't consider listening to to all three men on the moons, I would not consider Cuddy to be a rapper.
0: Yeah, no, and I I don't want to disagree with your point at all. I want to build on it, right? Like, basically, Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, the author switches perspectives from the prisoner to the jailer, right? And, like, Mm -hmm. gets the different perspectives. I, I would... I would say that the audience knows how to understand what it's seen before. Right? Yeah. Good music comes to fruition. On one end, there's Kanye West. Right? Mm-hmm. He's he's doing semi-conscious rap. Uh, we've seen it before. Right? right? We've seen Common. We've seen Talib Kweli. We've seen this kind of stuff before. We know how to digest this. Right. Also, his beats are great with soul samples. We love that, right? We know that. yeah Right. On the other end, we have John Legend, smooth singing, R and guy in a nice suit. We know how to digest that. Yep. That right. That's taking nothing away from these gentlemen, right? Like, no, or their talents and skill sets. Like, uh, state of the game. Covered bigger love before it was Grammy (laughs) nominated. Yes, we did. Anyway, the uh, but yeah, so we're, but in that, with given that, then you dump Cuddy in the middle. What the hell is this? Right? What is yeah, the audience doesn't necessarily know how to understand this, right?
1: And I believe now, I mean uh 808s and heartbreak came out 2008
0: right Uh... kanye's
1: I, i believe it came out 2008 but the point i was going to make was that um cuddy actually wrote on 808s and heartbreak Yep. uh like the uh the the opening song welcome to heartbreak was kid cuddy yep 2008 you're right november 24th yep so I I know a lot of people use that argument uh that okay like 808s and Heartbreak made you know created the lane for uh rappers such as Kid Cudi and Drake but Kid Cudi was heavily involved in that project so he so he you're you're right I agree uh, to bring it all back I agree with your point like no, he we hadn't we hadn't had anyone like Cuddy to kind of help us digest and understand what he was going for.
0: So yes, the way to think of it is, uh, Kid Cuddy is to 808s and heartbreaks what Snoop is to the Chronic. Mm. That makes sense.
1: Oh, that's good. Yeah.
0: Uh, so we that is that is real. That was a part of it, and so the audience yes you, you know there is still to this day a problem with black artists being called rappers all the time right mm-hmm. who are clearly not rappers and it's yeah. you know but it was even more pronounced for Cuddy because he was he was there wasn't a lane for him yet right we hadn't seen like a rapper who didn't want to rap right like right. We had seen like um, we had seen R and B people. We had we had seen rappers bring R and B people in to the, do the hooks. Mm-hmm. We, there wasn't gray area yet, right? Right, like um, like there wasn't dram, right? <laughs> but there wouldn't be dram without Cudi. Am I wrong? No, I, I would I would agree with that. Yeah. Ty- dollar sign like yep. these are cutty like post-cutty artists so right all even thing. drake i mean drake there wouldn't be drake <laughs> without kid cutty yep yep he would admit that privately not publicly um, <laughs> so but yes it, it so it transitions when when man in the moon one comes i in the chat i posted like the Man on the Moon series and what subtitles I would give each one of them. Man okay. on the Moon 1. I call Man on the Moon 1 colon Goodbye Old Music.
1: Goodbye Old Music. Okay.
0: Um, because it's a perfect album. Mm. It is one of those perfect albums. It's flawless uh the only complaint i have is common uh doing the narration <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know i mean he was on good music he was trying to show the good music family love uh so i i understand that and you know what common like you know kid we you could you could make the argument kid cuddy uh he opened up a lane for common to do all of these commercials that he's been doing recently you know what i mean what? the the Microsoft commercial he did last year that wouldn't have happened if he didn't do the narration
0: on Cuddy's first album so yep he's up in the lane thank you so we uh we need those Apple commercials we need that stuff. <laughs> See, um, but yeah it's it's a flawless album and there isn't there isn't a quotable verse or line on it right wow it is. That's,
1: that's, that's a good point. Yeah,
0: it's perfect because the song concepts are perfect. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the choruses are delivered from on high; they are like, yeah. magical. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Kid Cudi might have been the first person I called a hooker. Like I, okay, cheeky is a cheeky term for, for okay. Dan, where it was. Basically, someone who's like they're making their bread and butter on the hook, you know? They're making their bread and butter on that hook. You know, yeah. and it, he was a he was a hooker for real. Like he wow. was serious because I mean, how many of these songs got stuck in your head realist to it? I
1: mean, let me go through it, pull it up. Um, I've always been a fan of let's see. Sorry, I'm going have to go through, go all the way back. Okay. So let's see. If we're looking at the track listing. Oh. Uh, soundtrack to my life. I mean, yep. right off the gate, soundtrack to my life. Yep. Uh Solo Dolo. Yep. Yep. My World Day and Night. Loved. Sky Might Fall was my <laughs> one of my favorites. Oh. Love, love that song.
0: Unbelievable song.
1: Love that song. Um Pursuit of happiness, uh, and then higher. So I mean, at least six, at least six, seven songs on there. That
0: so many songs on this album. Was it like sixteen on the natural version or something? Fifteen. Uh,
1: yes, yeah, fifteen, and then the deluxe has eighteen. But yeah,
0: and how many the na- of these are game changers? How many of these are game changers? Run by like. Uh, I think "Cutter Anthem" is. I think "Simple As Is." I think "Solo Dolo" is. So, Dying "Day and night, night,
1: "Sky Might Fall," "Soundtrack to My Life." I do think "Soundtrack to My Life" yep, is. "Soundtrack
0: to My Life," "Alive," Cuddy Zone," "Make or Say," "Legend," yeah. "Make Her Say" goes down in history. That's like nine or ten off the top, right? Like that is
1: "Pursuit of Happiness." Ha- yeah, are
0: yeah, enormous. Oh, "Pursuit of Happiness" is. is Pursuit of happiness is so important that it gave us like Schoolboy Q's best song for God's sakes. (laughs) Um, It's so yeah, I mean these are like just solid like bangers and what what my friend who was so mad in his car didn't understand was how sad these kids were. Yeah. Right? That like the old school fans growing up in the on the golden era of age rap, there was like a balance that always needed to be present. Right, you right. had to do knowledge, you had to be fly, you had to be you know tough. There was a balance that went into every MC. I called it essentialism in, in one of my reviews. Right, there was okay. You, every song contained you every album contained you in equal mm-hmm. proportions and you distributed it, right? So it wasn't, one album wasn't drastically different from the next, but they were all balanced within each other. Right. Cuddy moves to this mental health focused model. Right? Yeah. And he, he's exploring his emotions, he's exploring his sadness, Right. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, th- I think Man on the Moon was the first instance of rap or lyrical melodrama in the hip-hop community, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of the, like, a lot of the tension or strife on Man on the Moon, it's not with outside forces, right. like, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not, like, dealing with enemies or anything or ops or anything like that a lot of the tension and strife that he's experiencing on this album is coming from internally, the melodrama that's going on inside of him.
0: Right. No, and it's, some of it is drug addiction that he can't fully express. Um, Right. But it it plays into it. But it's, yeah, it is. And really, he comes in, think of him who's coming in at the same time. At the same time he's coming in, Wale is coming in, uh, there's a whole new group of people uh, who are moving up and will change the direction of lyrics. Yeah, and begin speaking directly to female audiences in a way they hadn't been before. Uh,
1: and and I would say even even male audiences as well, but not like the the stereotypical male audience that we sure we, we're thinking of, but.
0: Males that can admit they have emotions. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I think we hadn't before Cuddy, there hadn't been someone that was talking to, I mean, this came out, Man on the Moon came out 2009. There wasn't someone that was talking to the youth of that of that generation in the way that Cuddy was. And that's why I mean, people, people of all backgrounds, and and I've like, it kind of blows my mind when I think about like the the range of people and like the different backgrounds, different races, ages, who have who have shown to me and expressed to me the love that they have for Kid Cudi. Yeah, no, so he definitely hit a vein it, in this generation.
0: There was so it was so funny. Uh, on Twitter, some lady. Jumped in and said, All right, people. Taylor Swift came up a new album and it's amazing. You know, go ahead and show the love and support. Retweet if you love Taylor Swift. and that your and lady like, voice? <laughs> and, yeah, and like if you do Kid Cuddy. And it was, the, it was very much like a Taylor's the best thing. And she got swamped. With likes from Cuddy people. And she was in the comments being like, I'm going to cry. I can't believe who is this Cudi guy? Who cares about Kid Cuddy? And it was, (laughs) I'm like, dog, Pete Davidson has said he wouldn't be alive without Kid Cuddy's music. Like, there were people on the edge, dog.
1: Right. And he's not the only one who's felt like that. Like, that's a very common sentiment. That's a very common sentiment that I that I've heard. Yeah.
0: Cuddy was speaking to these people that were breaking down. Yeah. And you speaking to them frankly. He wasn't bullshitting. Yep. Yeah. And that was something. So that what you said was important. Melodrama, right? There's a sense of taking basic mental health concerns and making them operatic. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. making them giant size right Mm -hmm. Um, and he was able to do that the music is huge yes huge. very ambitious (laughs) and it's different tempos that's what struck me most when I heard uh, the mixtape from 08 was like man like day and night isn't naturally a, a banger no it's a sneaky song right you know and solo dolo is the same way this is not even mid-tempo it's kind of low tempo yeah
1: that's a good point like you don't hear day and night the first time and be like oh wow it's not like 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 the first time i heard day and night i was like oh okay like and it just passed you know just passed over you but for some reason, like the more you hear it, the more it like sneaks up on you. And you're like, until like, uh, you're, you're walking down the street and you're just saying day and night. What, what, like you're singing it to yourself. You know what I mean? Like,
0: Wait, do you know what my comp would be? My single comp. Okay. Started from the bottom. Yeah. First time I heard started from the bottom. I was like, I don't get it. I don't like it. <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? The second time I heard it, I was like, he's a fucking genius. <laughs> I was so oh. mad, uh, and then it just stuck in my head forever after that. But yeah, so that's it's kind of the cop there. It's it's low, but it it comes, yeah. it keeps coming. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's really sneaky. This is anthemic. It's operatic. It's all about the construction of the of the songs and the concepts. Yep. It is, it is it varies to such a large degree. Uh I was I was I was gonna tell you when my son was very young, Simple As was a song that he, he grew up on. Because mm-hmm. it has the A B C one, two, three. Yeah. And he could go along with it. He could go along with it uh, as a little kid. And so we we bumped that.
1: you got the new generation you're starting them out on Cudi early you know
0: yep but that's that's weird to be able to say about you know an an album this formative from good music it's time
1: i mean i think what it is and it's what i what i always say what i liked about like what i liked about this because we consider this to be his debut album one one, I like the fact that it was ambitious. You know what I mean? Like Cuddy wanted to give his best effort on this track. And he and luckily, you know, he had the label behind him. He had the right people behind him that allowed him uh to make the connections and relationships to get people on this album and make it the best album that he could make it. But also what I also liked was that it was there was a lot of Craft and a lot of attention to detail put into the album. Yep. And yes, I mean the you know the song soundscapes are very different, but because of the sequencing and because of the little details like you know segues and interludes that he put into it, that he's able to connect the songs and it's able to flow. Yep. And it it doesn't just sound like a collection of of song like songs that uh you know an artist put together. It sounds like uh, it really does sound like a musical movie. Like, it is
0: very cinematic to me. Yes. Yes. And it is, It you know, it, it's meant to be because of the narration and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, uh man. The uh, Make or Say song is amazing. Yeah. So fun and loose. It's one of my favorite common verses. Yeah. He really goes for it. He really goes for it in that one. Uh, even even
1: Kanye, like it's it, it's very like the to be able to fit "Make Her Say" onto that album because it does it. I mean, to me, "Make Her Say" kind of it, it kind of sticks out a little bit as not in like a negative way, but it's not like the rest of the songs on the
0: album. It, it's loose. It's fun. It's, yes. it's a collection of really important people doing, like, locker room sex talk.
1: Yeah, with Gaga, who, I mean, Gaga at the time was on her extension as well.
0: And so. it's right before Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah. Like, oh, and it works. It yeah. works. It works. It leads right into Pursuit of Happiness, dude. Uh, which is what, Pursuit of Happiness might be one of the most, I don't know, opulent songs? It just sounds... Enormous. I mean, it sounds enormous. So,
1: so Maker Say was produced by Kanye, and then Pursuit of Happiness was produced by Rat Tat Tap. Uh, so, I mean, to be able to make that say, like, to be able to go from Kanye production to Rat Tat Tap production is, and not, and not like be too jarring, I mean, it is a feat in itself.
0: His perspective is very different in terms yeah. of, who he likes and who he appreciates. Yeah. One thing I wanted to talk to you about was hip-hop has these threads, right? That that lead through it. So you get the, you know, uh, Big Daddy Kane leads to Jay-Z, right? Rakim leads to Nas, right? Mm -hmm. Snoop's influence splits off, right? It goes in the Wiz Khalifa direction. Right. He is a more direct descendant of Snoop, right? Right. It goes in the Kid Cudi direction. Kid Cudi, he said his favorite rapper was Snoop growing up. That makes hmm. sense because everything Snoop said sounded like the hook. You
1: know what? Okay. I never made that connection, but I get it now. But
0: it's I the think, rhythm. It's the rhythm, it's the cadence, it's the right. it's Snoop's love of funk music and yeah and old soul music. And he could just he can just do it. He can just get into that zone
1: uh, you know what, and that's a good point. And I think what came to mind to me is like Cuddy You know, he he expresses his love for marijuana. Yep. But what distinguishes from Wiz Khalifa is that he's telling you why he's smoking the marijuana.
0: Right, there's a despair to it. It's sad. He's giving you the reason
1: behind why he's smoking it. Yeah. As opposed to Wiz, like, it's more of like, you know, like a party, like, you know, party, mood, vibe type of thing. Oh I mean right. that's interesting because they're both weed rappers, but the difference is Cuddy's giving you the reason why he's smoking weed.
0: Yeah, it's 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 the, the sun and the darkness in a way. Yeah. Uh, but it's so and then this segues nicely into Man on the Moon 2, my mm. subtitle, A Very Painful Life. Mm. Uh, the marijuana song yeah. is remarkable because It is, this. It is very sad. Yeah, it's the only song that is like really convincingly about love. And it's about his love of this drug that gets him through this life. Yeah. Um. So it is. It's not triumphant like Wiz, right? No. It's it's the dark side of the force, the Snoop force.
1: Yeah. Uh, And I mean, this, this came out, which I mean, which is amazing to me that, so Man in the Moon, uh, part two, came out about a year later. Woo! So, I mean, that was a quick turnaround, but what I think is interesting to me because it, it, this album, I think, serves as a reflection to where he was at that point in his life.
0: Yep. Yep. I mean, uh, I will say, yeah. like, my, my two cents on this one is that Man on the Moon 2 is more cinematic than Man on the Moon 1. Okay. Um, it, it doesn't have the in your face, you know, walking you through it, you know? Uh,
1: right. It doesn't have, like, the has, narrator.
0: It has one of the most memorable covers in. My lifetime of music, it's just, I just never seen that. Like, he's just in the suit, sitting in the chair. Oh, that, yeah. Oh, I well, mean lyrical? Well dressed, yeah. so sad. He That's looks an amazing so cover. Sad. It's one of the best covers. Amazing. It's, it's incredibly cinematic. It's not as good as, as, uh, Lumen One, but there's nothing out of place. Everything no. makes sense. He's actually tightened his group regrouping of like what makes sense for, for this music. Um, yeah, I mean, I you could you could make the
1: argument that it's more it's more cohesive than Man on the Moon Part One. I mean, all of all of the tracks are within like the same wavelength. Yeah, you know um, what I mean
0: yeah and it's it's just got really fucking crushing moments the one that stands out to me is don't play the song right number three uh, because I know Mary's, Mary's chorus it's, it's one of my favorite guest appearances she's done and she's done some great guest appearances but Mary on that her voice sounds like it's pleading with him yeah like, she sounds concerned, right? Like, and that's the effect she puts it but like, there's just something about Mary who's seen a lot of collapses in her time, right?
1: Absolutely. Herself,
0: other people standing with this guy as he's collapsing, right? And on this song with him, and there's just something absolutely crushingly gripping. If i were to be able to ask Mary five questions, one of them would be about this song. One of them would be about this song. It is, it is I, I, fascinating. I mean, and the fact
1: that he was able to, on the first song he's got CeeLo Green, third song he's got Mary J. Blige. The fact <laughs> that he was able to get those two people on on songs, and and they fit. That's
0: not the weird. One. That's the <laughs> maniac is the weird one. Okay. Maniac yes. is the weird one because it has Cage from Def Jux <laughs> and Saint Vincent. Vincent, <laughs> tell me when those three got when when those two got together after that. It, it's it's unheard of, you know. To to have that, and
1: I mean, I did find that like amazing how. Cudi, he's able to move through worlds, musical worlds very easily. Like yep. he, can, he can do a hip hop song. Uh, he can go to an EDM song and sound and plays on that. Or he can go to a rock, a rock song on as well. I mean, the fact that, I mean, look at, on this album, he has features from CeeLo Green, Mary J. Blige, Kanye West, Cage, St. Vincent, GLC, Kip the Ripper and Nicole Ray. Yup. Uh I mean he's he did that in a way. I mean the only the only person I think who who kind of has that versatility as well would probably be Kanye, but Kanye kind of started doing it after Cuddy did it.
0: Right. Um, yeah, no, it, it's Cuddy is just such a natural element of a song. Right. I hate it. Uh, what was the dark twisted fantasy one that had everyone on it? You know what I'm talking about?
1: Uh, well, all, there was all the lights, so appalled.
0: Yep, yep all the lights, all the lights. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember just thinking, God, the song wouldn't be shit without Cuddy, man. Like, Cuddy is a monster. Like, in the right zone, he's a monster. Yeah. Because his voice is so different. His skill set is so sharp. Yep. Um, the gentleman who founded the site with me, Derek Leach. We, I was I sent him uh, Wizard W Z R D, one of the other Cuddy albums, mm-hmm. and he was so stifled by it. He said, said, "He said to me like these, these songs are so fucking pretty. He should just give them to Beyonce." <laughs> Wow. What is this? Like, it was like a how does this fit thing? Like, it was, it, you know that's what a lot of us were were grasping was, was like this dude should just write for Beyonce. What is going on? Mm. Um, you know he 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 just never, and it, he couldn't explain his lane because he didn't know what his lane was. He was still developing it, right? Yeah, he wanted to be free to just do what he wanted. Right, he didn't know how to explain what he wanted. He just wanted to go there. Um, okay. so, man, it's a, it, What struck you about two? What was the? What What struck you about it? I mean, about two.
1: I I as I said, I think it was more. It didn't have the highs of part one. It wasn't as. I guess you would say it wasn't <clears throat> as like. Over the top, dramatic, that as part one was, um, or lush, but I think like when I when I know like the backstory of what Cuddy was going through at the time, it is an accurate. I think the album is an accurate reflection of what he was going through at at the time, in a way that now, I mean, we obviously we have the vision, we have we're able to. We have like the gift of retrospect and we're able to look back at at the album and in, in 2020 but it was a reflection of what he was what he was going through at the time right you know when i listen uh and this is another thing i didn't mention about the part one that kind of struck me and, and i think what people one of the things that people connect with about his voice is you there's like a there's like a hint of innocence and wide eyedness. Like there's a childlike innocence in Cuddy's voice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, And it, there's a sense of someone figuring out what they want to be. Like, and it, Yes. There was, it was, it was different because of the rap was so aspirational. Right. Yes. Like rappers were inhabiting characters that they wanted to be, yeah. you know, um, and so when someone steps on with a totally different aesthetic, it's it really pops, right? Right. And <laughs> so and I
1: oh yeah, what I was gonna say is I think people really connected with his voice. Like that, right. I mean his, his voice is very, and this is like re-listening to the albums this this week made me realize his voice is very unique. And so like when I listened to his voice in part one. And like you said, it was just, it sounded like a kid trying to figure figure it out and, you know, try to make an album that was going to, you know, get him recognition. So then when I listened to part two, like part two is, yeah, he, he got everything he was asking for, but now he he really does, he realized like, oh, I, I really don't want this because he's seeing the effect that it's had on on him because he thought it was going to be his... His cure all for the what he was going what he was going through in his life, but once in part two, once he got all of this recognition, got all this fame, he recognized that there wasn't anything really there, and so it's very his voice like is very like I I can hear the pain, There's
0: and a pain not the, the- em-
1: yes, yeah, and not exactly. necessarily emptiness, but the pain, the jadedness. Mm-hmm. Uh, the just like the like existentialist like crisis that he was in, in his
0: voice. <laughs> yep. And I'll take my take. Listening to these has been that man of the moon. One since it was his debut, he had a lot of that in the vault. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Day and night. The, the ideas. Missed, yeah. Day and night, man on the moon, both on that mixtape. Like, he had that stuff in the vault, he had that built up. So, to bring in the narration, the narration binds it so it's not just singles, it doesn't right. feel like a collection of singles, right? But two is locked in that zone, that painful zone, and it's kind of defined by dark rock music, yes, uh, influence, right? Absolutely. Uh, Erase me. Uh, there's just a lot of them that like have these this kind of dark rock feel.
1: Yeah, uh, there's definitely a shift in the production.
0: Yep, the, um, yeah the revolution thing. I mean, it, it's it yeah. So I, I think it's it was interesting because he was like, if it's gonna go dark. It's got to it, it's got to be, like the kind of dark sludgy rock stuff. Yeah. And that weighed it down made it so it wasn't it wasn't as anthemic, which is great. And it right. was a different feel. These are still big songs. Wild because I'm young. Uh, There's still big songs all over it, but they're like weighed down by the pain and the dark rock sound mm-hmm. and feel mm-hmm. uh, it was it's a, it's a much more cohesive album in my mind than the first one
1: although I, first I
0: agree
1: i agree 100
0: uh, it's the perfect one too right because on any day where you just want to you you feel like shit and you want someone to really take you through it you can go to two yeah you can go to two if, you, if you're looking just for some bangers, like, should I gotta shovel the driveway? <laughs> you know, let's put on a live, right? And let's yeah. put on Sky My Fall, let's go, let's do it. Uh, and, and this is what I say, like, when I, when I hear,
1: and I, I think I've mentioned this multiple times. I know I've mentioned it when talking to my friends. <laughs> like, I think a debut album should be, what you should be doing is establishing the artist's voice. You know what I mean? And so Kid Cudi on Man on the Moon 1, he established the voice of who Kid, he established his voice and he established who the character of Kid Cudi was with that album. So yeah. when you're able to establish your voice and your character, that allows you to move on to like your, that allows you to expand your sound and do something like, uh, a man on the moon part two which is kind of stylistically pretty different from part one but because that voice is still consistent and we know who the character of kid Cudi is we are we're able to go along with it and i i don't think that nowadays i don't think rappers are focusing on or i i shouldn't even say rappers i would say most artists aren't focusing on on establishing a voice or a character on their first album?
0: Yeah. Um, it, it's like, how are you telling your story, right? Right. If you're telling your story on this album, that's the only album I need. Right? right? Uh, if you're telling your story in chapters, then I need the next chapter.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly,
0: so it, so you look yeah. Go ahead.
1: I mean, so you look at like uh, and I and I've been harping on Meg since she released uh
0: good, good news. news yeah.
1: Like, what direction can she she in, her because she hasn't established her voice because she hasn't established the character of Meg the stallion as solidly as like a Kid Cudi did, or. Or even a Kendrick Lamar, or even Kanye, or Drake did on their on their debut albums. It kind of limits how far you can expand your sound.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, it's not. There's stages of development, right? And, and it's 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 very hard when you're talking about composition when you're talking about like. Um, I think I usually just refer to it as authorial voice, right? Authorship, you know. Not everybody understands that immediately. Mm -hmm. People sometimes are focused on the skill it takes to do it. And the beats you want to do it over and the logistics, right? But then there's authorship, right? There's what does my album cover mean, right? What does the title mean? How do the songs flow to each other? What do the songs mean? What do I want people to know from this stuff? Right? right. Um, so the smart ones have been able to do that. Yep. And there's people all over the place like who have done an excellent job of this. Like, see, You're highlighting Meg as someone who didn't. I want to highlight another female artist who did, shay Noir. Mm-hmm. Jane mm-hmm. noir as God intended is a perfect introduction now she's released three three projects this year Juno with 38 special which is tough nosed badass music as God intended which is very personal yep. very rugged I enjoy it and she just released another one I think it's called 12 I think she produced it herself mm-hmm. uh, just a lot of skill being showcased on there, but that's that's her identity, right? Like yes. you know, after twelve is what it's called after twelve. So she's established herself in these different directions. Yeah, uh, cogn cognizant of what she's doing, right? right? Of how she's designing her imprint. Yep, yeah. and. That's that's what Cuddy was able to do, and it's it's a lot of people never get there, uh they just never get there. Right. And uh to be fair, when Cuddy fell out of the major label system, he started putting out terrible stuff, and it was because he kind of needed a major label.
1: I mean, I think now, and here's what I would say: I think that while he influenced Kanye's sound and you know, the rest of hip hop past 2010, I think Kanye gave him the, the thinking that he needed to reach the level that he's at. Cause I, I think you can say whatever you want about Kanye, but I don't think anyone would say that he's not a big picture thinker. Mm-hmm. He understands the big picture. He understands he not only stands all, understands all the little parts, he understands the big part. He sees, he can see it on a macro level and on a micro level. And I think that because Cudi and um, Kanye were so close and you can tell that they have like a special bond. I right. mean, you can, right. I mean, that's very evident to me. Like, and it's, it's deeper than music, it's deeper than rap. Like you can tell that they, there's really sure. love there for each other. Right. I think he influenced him and he pushed him and he he gave he gave Cudi the blueprint like to be able to establish his voice from an early from the early gate. And I think that served Cuddy. I mean, uh, Man on the Moon Part One came out in 2009. He, he just had an album that came out in 2020. So he's been in the game for. Over twelve years,
0: yeah, but I mean, it was it. it we're talking about people who've learned lessons from Cudi. It's probably weakened, like weakened. Got together with Drake, got the cosine, did some work with him, and then okay. splintered off, did his own thing, reimagined right. himself after people were copying his sound, and has been able to shift since, right? to Different lanes and reimagine himself and stay one step above ahead of um, people who are trying to become him. Whereas Cuddy didn't really get that, didn't really navigate that successfully a lot of the
1: time. But I, I think the difference between Weekend and Cuddy is Weekend had ambitions to be the biggest pop star on earth. And I think, yes, I mean like, I mean, imagine like the first time like you heard House of Balloons, did you ever think, wow, this is an artist that could potentially play the halftime at the Super Bowl? (coughs) No. No. So he had ambitions to expand his sound and he knew that he had the talent. Like, I don't think anyone would say Weekend doesn't have talent or can't sing. Right. He knew that he had that talent so he just had to figure out how he could what path he could take to become the biggest pop star on earth, which arguably he probably is right now. One of the biggest at least. Yeah, no question. No question. And I just don't think Cuddy, I think, you know, Cuddy didn't have necessarily have that ambitions. And he also had his not his necessarily his demons, but he had he had. The past decade has been like a struggle for for, uh, for Cuddy.
0: Well, yeah. One of the things I was thinking about was this will transition into Man on the Moon 3, mm-hmm. uh, which I have labeled, ooh, trap music. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Kid cuddy, you know, when people say about LeBron, people say LeBron is the first NBA superstar to grow up in the spotlight. Right. Cuddy is kind of that way. Like, Cuddy's life was 360 in the spotlight. Everybody knew about his drug addiction. Yep. Everybody knew about his movie roles. Everybody knew about his TV roles. You know, everybody knew everything about what was going on with Cuddy. Right? Ooh. Uh, He beefs with ballet. Everybody knows what's going on. Right. Um, he's he's committed to an insane asylum and Drake puts out the diss record. Uh, Drake hates everyone with mental health issues, so it's noted. Um, oh, no. <laughs> he's joking. No.
1: <laughs> no, he's joking. Drake, Drake loves everyone.
0: Can't, he can't diss me. I'm fine. <laughs> uh, so it's... But yeah, no, he was... So it's, it's an important thing because he really broke that mold. His fan base was so personally connected to him, yeah, that they monitored him all the time. Because you could say, like, Tupac's audience was close to him, logistically, not so. Right? There was 96, there was no Twitter, there was no Instagram, no Instagram. yeah. So Cuddy was living in a social media era and and being being monitored so he really had to figure this stuff out walk so other people could run you know yeah um but yeah Ooh, trap music man on the moon three um what were your favorite moments from man on the moon three
1: so like getting the track listing i mean show out was show out was amazing um it shout kind of made me sad. The song uh, with Skepta and Pop Smoke because it made me realize one, you know how how big of a loss Pop, Pop Smoke's death was. I mean, he was going unbelievable. He, you put Pop Smoke on any song, and he like he's one of those artists. You put him on any song, the song is better. Yep, yep, and I mean. For me, show out works works well. Tequila shots, Dive, um, Elsie's Baby Boy. Uh, I loved the, I think the pal, the Pale Moonlight was probably my favorite.
0: Um just so yeah, and, and Pop Smoke, the thing is he never wasted a second. No. That was his M.O., right? He, he blazes through. Uh, so it's, you know, and that song is interesting, man, because I was like, what? Pop Smoke and Kid cutting? does this make sense? Skeptic, yeah. It, it, and skeptic by the way, does his thing on that. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> consistent dude. But I kept thinking, what is going on? And then as more I listened to it, I was like, oh. This whole album was Cuddy exploring trap sounds, like yeah. just being like, you know what, man, I never got a shot with this, right? Right. Uh, let me do it. And so Heaven on Earth is a very trap kind of sound. Yeah. She knows this is still kind of a trappy sound. Uh,
1: I mean, there's a lot uh, of mm. dot, there's a lot of production by Dot De Genius on here. Uh, so that kind of, I mean, and Dot, Dot is known for that, that sound. So,
0: so it's, yeah, I mean, he, and it's, so there's a, there's a bounce there. The problem is it's not his natural sound. Right. So it's, it's not a perfect fit. Uh, but tequila shots is wonderful. Uh, Damaged, sad people. Those are Kid Cudi songs. Uh, an example of a song that is only Kid Cudi. We talked about only Kid Cudi has these moments. Mm-hmm. Loving me with Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah, that was <laughs> that. Yeah, it works. It's one of my favorite songs. I, I don't, don't like Phoebe Bridgers, but it just makes sense. Yeah, it does. That it, I mean, I don't get it. I don't know. Cuddy's like that.
1: I mean, the fact that you can, and let's say some of the guest features on this album: uh, Skepta and Pot Smoke on "Show Out," Phoebe Bridges on "Loving Me," and then Trippy Red on "Rockstar Nights."
0: Trippy Red, everybody calls Trippy Red. Everybody's got to have Trippy Red. And it's interesting because I think what he
1: was trying to do, I, I think you know, he was trying to give a little bit of Man on the Moon, part one and Man on the Moon, part two. Uh, so it just doesn't like it's, it just doesn't, it like, it's almost like it's almost too expansive. Like there's only, there's only, for Man on the Moon, part three, I the reason I don't think it connected as much as maybe necessarily the other two, it's still a very good, it's still a very good album, but it's just too expansive.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, the criticism of it, there's criticism of it's it like, you know, that was when he had real pain, and this time he doesn't have as much, but I'm like, you're speaking out of line at that point. Don't right. tell an artist how much pain they're feeling at that time. Right. You don't know these dudes. Like, that is not cool. Uh, but the, it, the criticism that it's jumbled in the sonic sense is fair. Uh, that there's like, there's weird trap moments, but then The, the Void is a perfect cutty song. I mean, yeah. it's, that's real closure. By the time you get to the end of the void and he's like, it's, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Yeah. That feels like closure in the sense of like, I'm the one who told you the world was broken and I'm telling you, you'll live through it.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. And it was a real, like, I was kind of choked out Like, oh shit, like this is a real moment for those people. The him uh, through that.
1: Uh, absolutely. And that and and that's the beautiful thing. What I did, like when you listen to part three, and the con like, and I and I think one of the great things about part three is to really fully appreciate it, you have to listen to part one and part two. Yep. So I like last Friday when it came out, like I listened to part three, like the like at 1 a.m. in the morning on a Friday morning. But and it didn't hit me as much as when I listened to it after part one and part two. right? Because right. It, it really is a journey. Like, you know, this, the, the character of Kid Cudi, by the time he gets to part three, you can see how much he's lost, but how much he's learned as well. And I can, I can hear the strength in his voice. I can hear uh, the maturity, the wisdom in his voice. And like when I listen, when I compare that to "Man on the Moon Part One," it's just so much more rewarding when you listen to it, listen to the whole journey all the way through.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's big deal, and and I yeah, it is a worthy end button to this saga. Yeah, Uh, and a fitting tribute to have Skepta, Pop Smoke. And Phoebe Bridger's on the same level. Yeah. Why not? Um, yeah. Oh, Cuddy could do that. Now, there are, there. this segues into his, inf- his legacy, right? Uh, because I, there are descendants who are de- descendants. Like, um, Playboy Cardi has said that, that Cuddy's going to be on Red and, you know, that that's yeah. going to be great. And that makes sense as a, like, Playboy Cardi is all about the hook, you know, and all about kind of repeating the hook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like Playboy Cardi. I don't know that there's, I couldn't quote anything, you know.
1: No.
0: I don't know that there's a lot of meat there. But you can see those guys as direct descendants, maybe Trippy Red, maybe some something, you know, little Yachty. people who are like firmer in the hooks than the verses. But I like to think that you know the album I was listening to a lot alongside these was Anime, Trauma, and Divorce.
1: Open Open Mike Eagle.
0: Yeah. It was it was struck it struck me because Open Mike Eagle got to a place where he was able to to really nail down his song concepts every time. He was able to have big hooks, dope like bridges in and out, and verses that none of the verses on there are intricate, right? There's nothing on there that you can't understand, right? You don't listen to what the fuck is self care and go, I don't know that I get this. <laughs> like, as you get this, right? You get it. But it is. But it's still smart, and it's still personal, mm-hmm. and it's still catchy, and it's still something his audience can connect with, and it's still very personal and emotional. And I like to think that maybe that is also the legacy of Cudi. Right? That there's that there's also that yes, Playboy Cardi is is part of that legacy, but so is so is Mike.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to look at it
0: as. I think like he's left
1: a technical like a lot of rappers have used his technical <laughs> skills as like their north star uh, or as their blueprint mm-hmm. and I think also lyrically a lot of ra- a lot of rappers and I mean cut it. so Man on the Moon part 1 came out 2009 so from 2010 to 2020 I mean he's had a huge influence on uh, I mean, pretty much all like the where hip hop is at now is because of Cuddy. I mean, you can you can hear the Cuddy influence in Drake. Uh, because I'm thinking So Far Gone came out in what like 2009, 2010? Right, uh, right. So, and then you know, he took it to the ne- next level on uh, Take Care. With Marvin's room, but you could make the argument Marvin's room, which kind of was that was kind of the breaking point for for a lot of art for a lot of fans. That was the point where where Drake was legitimized. Right, and I don't think you can get Marvin's room without Kid Cudi.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Cudi really did move. Things forward in terms of the emotional tapestry that you could weave there, Um, and I mean, just look
1: at the state of 2020. Like, uh, I mean, Juice World, rest (laughs) in peace. I mean, Juice World is pretty much the 2020 Kid Cudi extension. Is uh, is it two X's extension or just extension? Three X. Three X. Yeah sentient like, a lot of this emo rap that's popular right now and is really connected with this generation <laughs> can be tied directly to Cuddy. Yeah, no, it, it's... it's... That Cuddy's still alive, and rest in peace to those artists, but... Right. And that's, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about well, Man and, on the
0: Moon, like... And so that's a weird part. I used to, when this, years ago, I used to say Man on the Moon too. Is the saddest rap album I've ever heard. Yeah, it's not anymore. I, I went back and listened. I'm like, well, this shit's still fun. Like, I'm listening to Wi-Fi. Because he's food. alive. He's alive. I'm listening to Wi-Fi's funeral. You know, you're listening to Jews and You listen to Next Yo. You know that stuff is harder, man. Yeah, it's gotten harder. And uh, for the time, Man on the Moon Two was was heartening stuff right now it sounds dope it sounds fun yeah
1: be. i mean because one i mean he's alive and then two we know how we know how the story ends we know that he makes it through so like you know oh you can hear that album and you can put it in context like oh yeah i mean he was going through some shit at the time but he's, he's doing okay now so that you know it gives you reprieve from the full emotional depth of it but yep. I mean, a, a lot of these rappers, like, I think what makes Juice World even more heart, what makes it so heartbreaking, like his songs resonate more now is because of the fact that he's no longer with us. Yep. Uh, so I, I think it was very important for Cuddy to do a part three and finish the trilogy and finish the complete story.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. The um so yeah that's heck of a thing. The um recommendation corner mm-hmm. I have lined up this week. I just I just did a song review uh, for a song oh it's in number 12 uh scap scapulomancy or Bonecaster, by Iceberg Theory. Album is called Dispatches from the Kali Yuga. Mm. And we talked about it. We chatted up after. He wants to do a Zoom. Do a Zoom on Sunday. It's going to be intense. He is (laughs) one of the Thinkingest thinkers in rap music. <laughs> Smart dude. Dense. These things are dense. Uh, if you just look up his band camp and look at the names of the albums he put out, the names of the songs, uh, I mean, it's he's, he gives you a lot to chew on, man. I'm going to have to hit the books.
1: Oh man, it's gonna be the mean of the minds.
0: It hit the books. <laughs> I am merely, you know, here to here to help. But it is, he's he's a heck of a dude. And the thing about him, by the way, is he always finds the most incredible guest features. People that I've never heard of. And I was just hitting it. Like, because some of them I have heard of. Sleep Sinatra's on there, mm-hmm. uh Fat Boy Sharif is on there. Uh, you know, yeah, I've Blood Money Perez, Alaska, you know, that's cool. And then this guy comes on, Lamon Manuel. And I'm like, who is that? This guy's amazing. Yeah. Dude from Chicago. He just he keeps his ears to it and he just knows what's going on. Um uh, so you bring people in and you've never heard of them, but they're amazing. Uh, yeah, it's like 18 tracks. Uh, it's a lot. It's, it's fascinating. Um, and he's one of those guys does exactly what you were talking about earlier. Every album is so different. Uh, the album titles are so different. The artwork is so different. The focus is on something different. Whether it be perennial philosophy, uh, you know, the the war, whatever, it's it's always focused somewhere else. Um, And it's it's one thing to be able to put out a lot of music. It's another thing to be able to like keep dumping meaningful stuff in there for people to unpack. Uh, it's at that point that you get a following yeah like one of his one of his favorite rappers is Ka he loves Ka uh, the same way I do so it's it's the same kind of I can't wait to unwrap this and pick it apart and love it right uh-huh. and that he's got a set of fans now who do that like he's selling the most he's sold uh, and and he's he's pumped like it's uh, He meant to do it this way, to, mm-hmm. to flood this year, and he did. And he's got August Fanon producing, so oh, wow. he's in a good position. Um, but yeah, that, that's going to be exciting. Uh, n- next week, we're going to start the year-end push. <laughs> I have gone through so many variations yeah. of my year-end list. I haven't even been sending them to you. After the update, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna you made more? Alone. Oh, yeah. I'm going to leave them alone for like a week. I don't want to keep hitting them. I don't want to keep hitting them. Let me leave them alone for like a week. Let me get my mind right. There's several levels of vetting that needs to be done, right? You've got to vet it and then go through, vet it again. It's like, what albums did I miss that I love? So I went through and out of those then you got to look through this like how many female artists do i have on here mm. <laughs> you got to actively look at that and go you know what man like I, there needs this person needs to be you know you need to make sure that you're not broing out you know right um, and it's not this is not a like i can't believe you're turning your good albums for for lesser albums because they're women that is not what's happening no it is about uh your knee-jerk reaction subconsciously taking over right and if you take the time pull, pull back look at everything and go what about that album though yeah. <laughs> right yeah. you'll include some of these some of these ar- other artists so i've been I've been digging into some of the albums some of the other albums and, and really i could i could have done hundred this year i really could have Been a lot, but yeah, so I appreciate it, everybody. Uh, yeah, keep rocking with us, and listen to Burda Boy, you.